Hey, it's Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. This is part three of a program that was broadcast November 25th, 2019, a couple of months before COVID slammed the door shut on us. And that was a Monday night. All the programs are broadcast Monday evening, 6 to 9 p.m. So if you want to get in the groove, imagine it's Monday. It's about 8 o'clock right about now. Or you could just listen to it Monday at 8 o'clock. Or you could do whatever you like. It's yours. Our gift to you. This program, Firon Akloff, my guest, is wants you to know that if you're listening to this summer of 2021, then he's got a gig coming up. If you're in New York, he'll be playing as part of the Vision Festival. There's a great festival that's been happening in uh, well, mostly various places around the Lower East Side for the last 25 years. And the organization that presents it is called Arts for Art. And you can find them at artsforart.org. Firon is going to be playing on the 25th of July at 7 p.m. at La Plaza at the Clemente. This is on the Lower East Side, 114 Norfolk Street, July 25th at 7 p.m. But you, if you can't make it there, you could still experience the music of Firon Akloff. Uh, P-H-E-E-R-O-A-N, Akhlaf, A-K, capital L-A-F-F. You'll find him on the socials. You'll find his website. You might also find him at uh, not-for-profit that he organizes in Montclair, New Jersey. Seed Artists. Seed, S-E-E-D, Seed Artists. So, okay, let's go back to November 2019. Yoronak Laf on the topic of the wonderful Jack DeJanet. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. It's so deep focus. To Wayne Shorter, mm-hmm. with whom Jack DeJanet played. Mm-hmm. I'd go with that. Mm-hmm. With whom the question is often asked, <laughs> where? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so true. And that brought us into that drum solo, too. And... Um, which we talked a little bit, you talked a little bit about Jack DeJanet as a soloist and when on our last mic break and actually some of the things that you were saying while we were listening to the solo, I thought were also added a lot to that mm-hmm. conversation. And since we all got to hear that solo together, any thoughts about that? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's certainly one of those situations where he felt compelled to bring out the kitchen sink you know you know just you know twist the wine bottle twist (laughs) squeeze every bit of toothpaste out of the tube you know in a in a really expressive way expressing a lot of different colors and and many different ways of not playing drum licks or figures that have some kind of motif or but just really digging deep into just the texture at the, at the, of the moment and i think the, it's it becomes a real uh kind of way of letting go after playing the composition and and as a composer he's very strong and he's also kind of soloing while he's you know, playing the pieces, and that in itself is 
an art and um, to the degree to which well if 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 we're gonna have a solo we maybe it doesn't have to sound like a solo it can sound like you know I'm having a conversation I'm talking about this subject and uh, so yeah it's uh, one of the interesting ways of uh, of looking at how to explode after playing along with others for quite some time, you know, which sometimes you'll find in drum solos. Well, he, I had a two-part question. One thing maybe I'm going to say in response to what you're saying, there's certainly a lot of dynamics mm-hmm. in his playing mm-hmm. in general when he's supporting another soloist and also in his solos. He's There's a huge range of... Mm-hmm. of just a volume that comes across at different times. But maybe you could talk a little bit about, we talk about how influential he is and how distinctive he is, but um, as a drummer, maybe you can break down some of the things that he's doing that other people have picked up on. Well, there are ways to divide what we hear in Pulse and... I think most of all, you first learn to play drums to in a conventional jazz way to keep time, or at least the appearance of it. And the more you project what is a multiple rhythmic approach so that there is the appearance of a pulse at a given tempo and then there are several, several, several possibilities. It becomes a miniature act of quantum physics mechanics and auditory possibilities and so that's the challenge to give the impression of something that is not played so when you can make others hear things without playing them because of what you have played and when you subdivide several units of possibility and you paint that on the canvas then you know there are many options for a listener to pick out because every you know hearing is so subjective, um, but the, but when you give the listener many possibilities as to what you can hold on to for a rhythmic sway, <laughs> which is so so we've moved from the fifties of toe tapping to sternum sway. You know, so th- this is this is what happens. You know, because 
it's not sternum jerk, you know, which is its own thing, too. That has its place. It has its place. But this is much more ephemeral and, in some cases, ethereal. (laughs) Um, So, though he punctuates various things, we're able to hear a collage of ideas, you know, um, you know, so we, it's the, there's a less sense of a buildup of momentum and the, uh, possibility of repetition. Listeners, don't <laughs> tell Firon Akhlov that I told you this, but Firon is one of the all time great masters of the art that he just put into words. And it's something completely inchoate that can't be described. But he just described it. And he's great at it. And he was also ascribing what he does to Jack Dishnet, which is really interesting. Because they both kind of come at that same sort of thing in different ways. I like the way you said that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well... I mean that that's a that's a pretty darn good description of what you do a lot of the time. Well, I, would think. I think it is. I think I, I that's all I know is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I pretend to know something about other things. Well, no, but it's it's that. Um, and if I'm interpreting correctly what you're saying, that of being able to, I mean, the drummer's the first order of business is carrying that pulse. But can you do that? And not express manifestly, there's your downbeat. There's your number one. There's where that is. Uh, Everybody knows. uh, Everything revolves around that. But the way that you do that, everybody does know, even though you're never necessarily playing it. Mm -hmm. And that's... um, That's that's kind of a breakthrough in itself. Yeah. It's also... He's got a very conversational kind of style, I think, too. He's Mm -hmm. behind a soloist and responding to what they're doing and and giving them some other ideas and you hear a lot of that going on yeah yeah it's 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 uh quite a discussion it's quite a conversation isn't it and i think with uh the snare drum it's a funny kind of thing how it is easily overplayed. Mm. <laughs> so, so, but I noticed there. There's a beauty in in the way he approaches it. Um, you know, needless to say, he has synthesized so many things from other great drummers, and that's that's part of what everyone wishes they could do. You know, as in. The fact that there's absolutely no originality uh, as much as there is um, grafting <laughs> and, and um, you know, when, when, once you get together with others, it's usually better to read the territory of your environment um, 
But a lot of times you don't get a chance to do that, um, particularly, you know, with drummers, because in most cases, people don't really know how to ask for a certain thing and and be and know that it is the best thing. So, so, um, I think my favorite part about uh, Jack's music is there's an event and then there's another event and there's another event and it's it's a mark of a great composer who also is able to make those events inspire the players to expand it. Um, that, that was one of the things I noticed again today. It, there's a saying that um, sometimes is applied in situations like this Well. That music plays itself. <laughs> yeah. Sure so, it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well that yeah, I mean it sounds it sounds like somebody's trying to put across the idea that what you're doing doesn't take decades of development of ideas, but it's sort of a compliment in a way, maybe that. Oh yes, you have you have definitely tapped into something. If you if you can put something on the page that people feel like there. If you can disappear yeah. and the music's still there, yeah. then you've really done something. <laughs> yeah, they may not realize it, but, but you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's very, very great chemistry. We Great are chemistry. Yeah, we are deep in it. The show is deep focus and Pharaoh Nakhlaf breaking down the stunning achievement of Jack Dijonet and special edition heard here in Birmingham, England in nineteen ninety two, October of ninety two. Gary Thomas and Benny Maupin up front, Michael Kane piano, Lonnie Plaxico on the bass, Jack Dijonet's drums, and his next piece, two guitar chant. Shall we? Yes. Yes. Let's do on WKCR.
I'd like to introduce the members of the group who've been making this music for you. On tenor saxophone and flute, we have Gary Thomas. <laughs> On the acoustic and electric bass, we have Lonnie Plaxico. On acoustic piano and electronic keyboards, we have Michael Kane. <laughs> On tenor saxophone and bass clarinet, we have, we're really pleased to have with us, the legendary Benny Maupin. do encore but uh, you've been such a great audience to play for we'll just stay here and do this one more song for you uh, this is a composition that I wrote dedicated to one of the most innovative and uh, ever-changing uh, brilliant stars of improvisational music composition to come through in a long time, Mr. Miles Davis. This is a composition that's simply called Miles.
They loved him in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Jack DeJanet Special Edition, October of 1992. You won't find that in your local record store, but you'll find lots of great records that Jack DeJanet's on, including uh, under his own name and also as a sideman with Miles Davis, among many others. And uh, yes, you should go out and find some of those great recordings. And Jack DeJanet's still in the full flower of his expressive life. And um, that's right. Yeah, you should definitely catch him when he comes through. And um, fantastic ha- music. Happy 77. Jack. Yes. But uh, that recording, not. Uh, not one from your uh, you'll find at the record mart that isn't there anymore at the mall that isn't there anymore <laughs> and you won't be able to download it you know, no you won't even be able to download it it's from the WKCR archives I'm Mitch Goldman we call the show Deep Focus very happy to be here with Firon Akloff if you just caught the last minute of that you blew it because we've been listening to that one show and talking about it for two and a half hours Well, it doesn't seem like two and a half hours, but that's what the clock says. And um, Firone, now, uh, you, well, let me first ask you, Mm -hmm. anything uh, to be said about that last part of the set that we heard there? Well, it was cool. I I think that's the keyboard that Michael Caine gave me. No kidding. (laughs) Maybe. Wow. I don't know. It sounds like it. (laughs) <laughs> I kind of associate that sound with him. I mean, he must have yeah. played it a lot around there. I think then. he played it a lot. Yeah. Um, no, that was that was a a nice way of quoting some of the Miles Davis material. Yeah. His Miles composition and and uh, and a, a funny funky groove at well as well. Um, Although, uh, of course, Jack DeJanet, of course, did play with Miles Davis, but he's not on. In a silent way, which that was kind of oh, that's right. from. But. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Although maybe, wait a minute, wasn't there, was that the piece? Didn't Bitches Brew, was there a song? On Bitches Brew, there. Is a song Miles? No. No. Mm-mm. I'm thinking of something else. Anyway, um, but yes. Yeah, that is the piece that he, he, he was quoting the piece that yeah. he's not on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was uh, evocative. And you pointed out off mic that was not too long in the wake of Miles passing. Actually, mm-hmm. Miles Davis had uh, died the previous year to that recording. But the band definitely, uh, unmistakably, Jack DeJanetti's special edition um, band with various people moving through it over the years, and uh, but his distinctive sound all the way through. That's right. Another mark of a fine band leader. Mm-hmm. Firon Aklaf, how do people keep up with your many activities? Do you uh, mm. do you do the social media and all that stuff? Yes. Uh, well, the best way to keep up with my activities uh, is to look for activities done through seed artists and seed artists is an organization that we have working out of montclair new jersey and sometimes in new york city 
and we're interested in presenting music that is not so easily found, just like these deep focus pieces. Uh, we're interested in uh, stimulating our community of every generation. So we have jazz listening sessions at the Montclair Public Library. Uh, we have a new uh, organization that we are also supporting and, and looking forward to having concerts with, uh, the Montclair Women's Club. And we have had concerts at the Jazz Museum of Harlem. And we were also able to present artists in Queens at Jamaica Center for Arts and Learning, um, Randy Weston and Milford Graves. And so we're mostly known for our Eric Dolphy Festival, for, which was um, a few years back now, in which we had some great activities with Richard Davis and Gunther Schuller and, and Gracia Munker and James Newton and and so many others and um, we will get back to our programming this spring uh, the next up is a piano concert or uh, or should I the pianists so presenting a few different pianists and um, it will also be an opportunity for people to learn more about what we do with our youth activities, creative arts activities in town. And, um, yeah, perhaps some new things, uh, gallery, uh, working with galleries as well, presenting music, you know, in, in galleries, um, outdoor activities, and in-school activities. So... That's We're, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, our creative director has a lot of energy. Uh, Chris Naparella is a, a ball of energy in addition to doing his very deep spiritual work of sentence commuting for those who are incarcerated. And, um, you know, we have... Other members uh, who also do uh, community work, and we're we're very fortunate in that. In fact, we had a volunteer from Columbia University who had a radio show named Stephanie Borgani, and she put in quite a few hours with us one summer. And so we're always looking for volunteers and um, people who might want to engage. Uh, elders as well as uh, juniors, uh, yeah, and and bringing everyone into the fold of this creative music expression and and exploration and, and yeah discovery. How do people <laughs> so, get in touch? Well, both with me, it's just my last name, A K L A F F with a numeral one, at Gmail. So. Since I'm sure you're not going to be a robocall, uh, please send me an email, uh, aklaf1 at gmail.com. 
I have a website, which is just my name, which is really simple because it's just my name, but my name is not simple. (laughs) (laughs) And that's pharrellknockloft.com. And... I'm going to spell that for anybody who wants to write it down. Yeah, P-H-E-E-R-O-A-N-A-K-L-A-F-F. One more time. P-H-E-E-R-O-A-N-A-K-L-A-F-F dot com. And Seed Artists is Seed Artists with an S dot org. Seed like. Yeah, like a seed seed in the ground. Seed Artists dot org. Cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. I, uh, <laughs> one of the many roads we started going down that I, we got sidetracked on off mic, and I think it might be interesting to hear about on the show. Um, I think it was sponsored by, inspired by the presence of Benny Maupin mm-hmm. on that Dijonette set that we just heard. You mentioned the documentary, I Call Him Morgan. Oh, right. About Lee Morgan. Right. Which we didn't really discuss, but I think I I was seized by that. I was. Oh yeah, yeah. So was I. I um, I believe. I guess I I saw it on the computer, which is. It's odd. running on Netflix now. I think. And oh no no no! I saw it on Netflix when I had Netflix. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I go in and out of these participation with these things, but. I, I saw it on Netflix. That's right. I I try to see or I end up seeing a lot of these jazz-oriented docs that come out. Mm-hmm. And it's, I usually I'll pick up a little bit of information or something. A lot of the time I might just go, well, you know, I could have just listened to an hour and a half of Coltrane or whatever it might be. This was a full-on drama more vibrant than any fictional narrative that I've heard. Well, I think I would agree, and and it's even more compelling because I knew some of the people in the film, and and so it arrested me in that I realized that written into some of these people in the film who were my friends, like Benny Maupin and Reggie Mark Workman, um, that that they were living with this tragedy in their lives that I had never discussed with them. That's so it it was a very unusual kind of double hit, you know, um where you feel, you know, saddened and and you know, bewildered uh at the story, but you also know people are living that story who were even more affected and and maybe you hadn't talked about that. So yeah, there 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 are things like that. I believe um it it doesn't happen very often, but every now and then it does happen and um there are a few people in that category. Um Ray Draper comes to mind and Philip Wilson comes to mind and um so yeah there there are a few people who we mourn from having uh too much access to uh the the he the you know the the heathen effect uh in our world and you know so 
But well, but but this case with Lee Morgan was it was you know it was, it was epic Shakespearean mm. uh, kind of uh, way in which you could even mourn easily for the person who actually committed. Yeah, act. that was one of the stunning things about it. The story of Lee Morgan's life. Well, he was. One of the brightest lights to emerge in this music, of extravagant, magnificent sound, utterly distinctive. And as much as I knew about him, I think, for a long time was, oh, yeah, he, he died young. He got shot by his girlfriend at Slugs in East Village. And that's kind of as far as the story went for a lot of people. Yep. And this film... Uh, that's well, the, there's a there's a there's a there's a a custom, I'll say, of not necessarily sharing anything uh, on a need to know basis yeah. type thing amongst some of our musician communities. Um, right. Well, yeah, so, there were so other stories very about. Dis- yeah, the, the life that he had led and how he ended up in this place. Right. So so. Most people would not want to go into, in this case, any of it because it was so complex. Maybe it was even too complex to talk about. So why would anyone, you know, discuss it? But well, the, the stunning, the core of this film is this description of him and the life that they had by the woman who killed him. Yep. It's uh, really remarkable. It's called... Uh, it's called I a... Called Him Morgan. Mm-hmm. That's the name of it. And, yeah, you'll uh, you'll want to see that. And mm-hmm. apparently also the Thelonious Monk documentary that came out 30 years ago is on Netflix as well. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. not quite the same thing, but it's got some pretty stunning footage of Monk and great interviews with people who are very close to him as well. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so, man, we're coming down to it. It's always the end, three-hour show. The end always sneaks up on me. <laughs> You'd think I'd know by now. You'd think I'd be ready. <laughs> but you know what? I'm not. Um, we have another little, we have a little lanyap for everybody to go home with. We have a gift bag. We're giving you a gift bag, <laughs> a little takeaway, a little doggy bag. You can bring something home with you. <laughs> you want to tell them about it? It's a perfect treat. Yeah, you get the MD himself, <laughs> yes, Miles do. Davis, down on the Lower East Side mm-hmm. at the Fillmore East, which is now right near where the, which was near where the NYU dance department has a building it's it's one of those buildings in that one block i don't remember the name of that hmm. that school but but it whatever the dance school's name is uh in addition to all the lower east side restaurants so it's right about around sixth street second Ave. second avenue near sixth street um so miles davis is bringing into a rock concert situation with the steve miller band and the neil young Whoever Neil was there, maybe by himself, I don't know. But <laughs> but um, Miles is on the program as well. And that would happen a lot during the early 70s, uh, a crossover of 
rock acts or pop acts in addition to jazz acts of people of great stature, particularly well, I, like Miles. Well, give a little tip of the chapeau to Bill Graham, right. the great yeah, concert yeah. impresario oh, yeah. who was known for doing that mm-hmm. and took a big risk in doing that and turned a lot of people onto some great music and created a big fan base for people who really deserved it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we have quite special stuff going on in the percussion department because Erto Moriera is there playing percussion. I saw Erto Moriera actually doing a percussion workshop many, many years ago. Um, and I thought that I understood samba, but after seeing him play it, I realized I did not really understand it. <laughs> and it made me dig, talking about deep, dig much deeper <laughs> into the rhythms of, of South America, um, and particularly Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we also have the where in Wayne, we have Wayne Shorter, uh, tenor saxophone and soprano saxophone, probably a lot of soprano saxophone during those days. We have Chick Corea piano, and I, that's probably an electric piano. I think he's playing a Fender Rhodes on this. Mm-hmm. Dave Holland bass, and Jack DeJanette, his big time buddy and and. Woodstock area <laughs> mate, uh, um, they do such great work with Miles Davis throughout the years, but this is probably the crux of it, this concert. Um, this is probably the zenith of their experience uh, with that electric band that was giving us the bitches brew material and other things that would be thrown in from time to time. So it's very special. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, it was it was Wayne Shorter's last gig with mm, Miles. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I think we have to say our fairly wells, our fond good evenings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Good night, Irene. Yeah. I'm Mitch Goldman. The show's called Deep Focus. It has been an abundant joy having Faronak Lav here in the studio with me. It's been great to be here, Mitch, as usual. Got m- so much more to do, man. All right. We're handing it off to Miles. Miles, drive it away. WKCR FM New York. WKCR HD1. WKCR.org 89.9 FM.
Thank <laughs> you.